0: <laughs> Orhana means family. Oh,
1: okay. No one gets wow. left behind. Or from
0: that All right, hang on. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I want to start the episode with that little. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hope you do. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Wilco the Podcast. I'm Lance. I'm here with Matthew Morgan. And guys, we are on the finale episode of season one. How did we get here? How did we get here already? Oh, man, it's crazy to be here. I, I think I'm a little bit speechless in this moment.
0: This is our 17th episode which uh, to be honest, going into this, I had no idea how how many we were gonna be able to to get out in this initial batch. But it, it's been a good it's been a good first season.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know what I expected once we wrapped up season one. I don't know what I expected that to look like the the people that tuned in. Uh, but I personally am just incredibly. I, I maybe it's cliche to say, but humbled and grateful. I just looked at our total downloads. We have had 2,173 downloads since starting. Only half of them were us. Touche, <laughs> touche. No, no. But yeah, seriously, thanks for,
0: for joining us uh on this first uh this first endeavor. Yeah. We're going to come back uh, in the fall with some all new episodes, but we wanted to take the summer and regroup a little bit and uh, make sure we don't get burnt out. Make sure that these episodes are worth your time.
1: Yes. Should we tease a little bit of uh, what's coming this summer, Morgan?
0: Yes. That said, uh, we do want to keep the Wilco the Podcast going during the summer with uh, a few special episodes that we're going to do that are going to focus on uh, highlights of each of the band members. Now, we may not get to everyone. We'll at least try to do one per month uh, and eventually cover all of the guys. But we thought that would be a fun little summer project that kind of keeps things moving, but doesn't turn the lights off altogether. Yep.
1: You came up with that idea, and I think it's
0: fantastic. It's also a way for me to to talk about people other than Jeff Tweedy. So. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna suggest that we start with Pat Sansone because he okay. is the uh he is someone that we have regretfully undershouted out, if that's a word. We we are both um, uh
0: Pat Sansone according to the Buzzfeed
1: yeah. quiz. So that's I, right. I need to the, learn more about him. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about there. And uh I'm excited about that. So yeah, that will be that will be kind of like a, a non-season interlude, yeah. Um, and then, like Morgan said, in the fall, we're going to come back. We we we're excited. We're going to come back fresh. We hope that you will join us, and we're already getting excited. Yeah, we got some some guests that we're trying to line up, uh, some exciting
0: guests, and you know, as well as our regular scheduled
1: thematic episode content. So that's right. That's right. I I do want to ask you personally, what's what's been your personal favorite episode of the season one?
0: So I think with most things, the more uh, practice you get, the better you get. Right. And so if you if you go back and listen to our, our pilot episode, you know, the audio quality isn't super pristine, but like you can kind of see like the the skeleton for what's to come. You know, probably around like the ambience episode. I think we started to hit our stride. I I honestly love the road trips episode we just did. Same, same. Childhood was a fun one. Those are probably my top three. Yeah. Uh, My wife really loves the death episode, which shout out to that episode. Doesn't have a ton of one of our uh, least listened to
1: episodes. Yeah. Death, love and hate. Those are some underloved episodes.
0: You know, it kind of makes sense because I think with the Tim Grierson episode, we started to see some more listeners come through. Yeah. And I think from, you know, maybe from, I think that was like episode six and on, maybe some of those folks just started listening from that point on. Um, yeah. But if you feel so inclined, go back and check out those those first few. Um, you can kind of hear the the beginnings of our humble podcast. As we got things going. What what about you, Lance? What are, what's your favorite episode so far?
1: If we're doing three, I wrote down, um, I really like the shout out episode. Yeah. Um, I remember talking about, uh, Nels Klein referencing television and handshake drugs. That was really fun to, to tease that apart. And I think it is kind of when we started to find our groove road trips, really had fun with that one. Um, Road trips tells me that like there are so many various topics we could choose that would take us into an interesting corner of a conversation. Sure, because uh, you you don't you don't necessarily hear a Wilco song and be like, we should talk about road trips. You know, like that <laughs> that that was your brainchild, and uh, I'm I'm excited to think about like what other topics we could we could tease. Um, loved Tim Grierson, but. I, I think I got to also really shout out in my top three, Daniel Cook Johnson. You felt the energy there. More, is so weird, like reflecting back just a few months ago, these names of people, Tim Grierson, Daniel Cook Johnson, if you had told me a year ago, you're going to be having a conversation, an extended conversation with them about Woco, I would have I would have not believed you. Because these are books that I've, that I've bought and read, and I don't know, it's like, wow, this is even if no one was listening, the fact that we've gotten to have some of these conversations has just been so fulfilling as a fan that 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 alone made all this worth it. Uh, and, and it gets me excited about what's what's next, you know, absolutely. And just just to shout you out. You know, we y- your wife laughs because we talk on the phone constantly, talk almost phone daily. <laughs> yeah, and, Multiple and times a day. Yeah, and and these these podcasts have ended up being the longest conversations that we get to have with each other, and it's cool because it can morph between you know just this this love of shared art, and then it can go down into um, you know learning about each other in a way. And yeah, I think from our yeah. friendship perspective, yep. it's just been cool like to get to know you better even though I've known you for you know uh, over a decade and that alone also has made it just such a such a cool experience. I I am so grateful to be here.
0: Yeah. Hey, right back at you, man. Um yeah, I think obviously this is a Wilco podcast, but Wilco's kind of the the middle ground. And then from there we have, to your point, lots of ancillary conversations that that spiral from that. So
1: nice use of the word ancillary. Hey, I was just wanted to
0: squeeze that in there. I like that. I should, I should clarify the top three episodes that I shouted out were of the themed episodes. I think all of our guests have been, uh, uh, just a joy and, uh, and just so so much fun to talk to other Wilco fans out there.
1: Well said. Well said. Morgan, we were going to check in with how we've been doing. You and I have seen some shows lately. It's kind of that season, starting to warm up. Bands are on the road. Before we jump into Wilco, why don't we compare notes on the shows we've been to lately? Sure. So really quick, we're going to make this a national podcast. Uh- <laughs> we've teased that before. <laughs>
0: No, but I I saw, I was able to see my favorite band. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Solid. Um, The National uh, played uh, four nights in Chicago. And I was working downtown this weekend. So it was kind of convenient. I was able to wrap uh, our, our work day and then head over to the Auditorium Theater, which I believe is part of Roosevelt University, I uh, had never been to this venue before, but it's uh, you know it's one of those like classic auditoriums. It, I, I kind of liken it to like a steeper Chicago theater. Like the th- the building is super tall. We were on like the fifth level in the middle, Whoa. and there really wasn't a bad seat in the house. Um, this was the the last night of their Chicago stint, and they played most of their high energy songs and a lot of songs from Boxer. And high violet, which are probably my two favorite national albums, solid ended with the classic Vanderlyle, Cry Baby Geeks acoustic. Yeah, uh, it was it was fantastic show. didn't didn't let me down. Although I, I will say my favorite national song being Lemon World, uh, I still have not heard that song live, and they played it the day before uh, I saw them. So so sad. Maybe next time I'll get a chance to hear that song. But yeah, that's my national concert review. I should also say, Lance, that I there was a pop up shop. Yes, of rare vinyl, national vinyl that was only open from three to seven. And when I was done with work, dropped off our camera gear at my hotel, and then uh, my coworker Eric was was driving to find his parking spot, and I, I hopped out on a street corner and sprinted to the pop up shop. <laughs> So I could try to find you the 10th anniversary edition of High Violet and guess what? They had it. So
1: all that sweat was worth it. I appreciate it. I can't wait to get my hands on that. For what it's worth, you shout them out as your favorite band. I have huge respect for that. And I got to say, Wilco's my favorite band, but like just shy of being my favorite is The National. I mean, they're just right behind Wilco. So... Maybe maybe that's a side project at some point. I think I've teased like we should do like a, a random episode on the National sometime because I feel like if people like Wilco, either they already probably like the National or they could easily like the National.
0: We've never seen the National together for whatever no. reason, but we have seen Wilco together. Um, We've seen them twice together. We have. We have. So let let's keep it going. Lance, you saw a show recently. Why don't you tell us about that one?
1: I did. I got to see, for the first time, First Aid Kit. And if our listeners are not familiar with them, you should definitely check it out. Fantastic. It's two Swedish sisters. Shout out to Swedes. You got me into them in college. Um, And I I didn't listen to a ton of them, but then my wife became a big fan. But um, what was cool, is that I got her these tickets for for Christmas and then about a month ago first they kit advertised you can you can buy VIP tickets which conveniently was my wife's birthday and so I got those for her. and that meant that before the show started we got to go to this tiny up close and personal performance with just the two sisters which is that's so cool that like that's the that's the that's the secret sauce, you know. Like they, that's where they really shine. They played um, a song that was about Denver, which was cool. It was like I, I forget who they were covering, and then they played their very popular song Emmy Lou. It was cool. I mean, I was probably like 15 feet from them, and then uh, about an hour later, the the show started, and it was it was sold out. It was packed, and they rocked out they went from like just an acoustic guitar to vocals in the VIP experience to then like a full band. And I didn't, I don't know. I I didn't expect them to be so loud and rock. And I, they, they shined in both contexts. So also I got to shout out Glenn Cochie has played a song with them on one of their albums. I, Yeah. I don't have that off the top of my head. I learned that through the um, Wilco World Radio when Cruel Country came out. Glenn dj DJed on that radio station and played a song. He's like, hey, I played for First Aid Kit. And I got to say, when the opening band stopped playing and you've got like the, you know, the set list playing before First Aid Kit came out, um, the very first song that was played is, was Forget the Flowers by Wilco. So I was like, did they choose that? Um I don't think that would be a stretch to imagine that they did. So you have to imagine that they'd probably curate those uh pre roll music. Right, most bands less, would, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: So th- there's our there's our Wilco connection to bring it full circle.
1: Yes. Which speaking of which, maybe it's time to to jump into tonight's topic.
0: Sure, let's do it. Tonight's topic comes to us courtesy of my wife Allison. She, she came up with this idea, and we thought it was a great idea. Shout out to Shout Allison. Shout out to uh, We're doing Wilco on finales. And by that we mean we're going to pick our two favorite Wilco finale tracks from their proper studio albums. This is a fun one. This is a fun one. I, I Yeah. And a tough one, too, because for me, Lance, I'll just – spoiler alert reservations and on and on and on um are two of my favorite wilco songs and two of wilco's finale songs but i have already kind of shed light on those in previous previous episodes so i wanted to pick two other finale songs so we had more to talk about and these the the two tracks i picked are are both songs that i I adore so cool who, want, who nice. wants to kick it off do you want to kick it off do you want me to kick it off
1: i actually we've we've hinted that i think we have the, we, the, we same, may first have the same first
0: choice all right well I'll, I'll rip the band-aid off and my first pick and maybe your first pick of the night is from the oft underrated album i would say the whole love and this song is called one sunday morning Song for Jane Smiley's boyfriend. Let's give it a listen. This
2: is how I tell Oh, but it's long. One Sunday morning. Oh, one sun is gone.
1: Pick the same song we picked the same song and and for good reason it's a fantastic song it was bound to happen once this season
0: and so it's funny that it happens in the last episode we made it this far um how do you want to do this should i jump in with some thoughts or do you want to yeah maybe maybe we'll have some overlapping
1: i bet we will but but go for it okay we've said that we're gonna because it's the same song we're hopefully our listeners are okay with this, but we're okay with going a little long winded on this song. After all, it is 12 plus minutes long. So, well, so we should shout out that on the album, it's 12 minutes, but then those of us that have the LP, yeah, you get an extra, I think it's two minutes. Morgan, I am so used to hearing the album version that when I put on the LP, I'm always like, Oh wow, it still surprises me when I hear that keep going. Um so if you haven't heard that, I bet you could probably find that on YouTube. I would say it's worth checking out. Obviously you get the flow of the song because it's very repetitive. So it might be it might be the longest vocal song. Probably is.
0: To that point, Nels Klein said that the 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 album version of the song was I quote, a refined version of the only time we ever played it. Nobody knew how long that was going to go. Jeff just kept playing and singing. And that's what's on the record, basically. Jeff loved the feel of it and asked us to refine it a bit. So that's kind of cool. I mean, what we're hearing is, and it sounds pristine, but what we're
1: hearing there is is Jeff just going for it. Maybe what's coolest about that quote is that this band is tight enough and skilled enough to where um, each verse the music is slightly different like even though the tune, and the melody is the same obviously but like what they choose to do the band members with the riffs and whatnot it's different and to think that like whoa they came up with that more or less on the spot, spot yeah it just really it really highlights the skill and and abilities that this band has Yeah.
0: And and like the longevity of just knowing each other as musicians, I think, kind of being able to play off each other that way. So I want to I want to frame this song a little bit. So Jane Smiley uh, wrote a book called A Thousand Acres. It came out in 1991 and in 92 it won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. I've never read this book. Lance, are you familiar with the book A Thousand Acres? I've never read Jane Smiley. Yeah. So something I want to look into, but I found a quote from Jane Smiley in Ad Week. And then funny enough, I crack open Wikipedia, and of course, Daniel Cook Johnson has also cited this. So it's like anything I find on my own, I'm gonna go back, crack open Wikipedia, and it's gonna be there. So uh, I had that same yeah, experience. Another <laughs> another shout out to Wikipedia, and we'll just plug that book again. It's on sale right now on Amazon for a low, low price um anyway jane smiley said quote apparently my partner was chatting to jeff Tweedy about some religious thoughts i don't quite understand the song but those who've heard it seem to really like it especially the music i do think that it is really funny that someone as square and old as myself would end up in the title of a song in an alt-rock groups album so uh I, i just thought that was kind of funny then going off of that, Tweedy himself has said about the song, It has virtually nothing to do with Jane Smiley, but I do absolutely know know her boyfriend as an acquaintance and as somebody who I enjoyed my time with, in particular one conversation we had. Mostly what I was getting at in the lyrics was to try and illustrate what I felt was poignant about that conversation without getting into any specifics. So before I move on, Lance, do you have uh, any other background Context on this song that you feel is pertinent?
1: I think one of the favorite things I found was kind of a short essay that George Saunders yeah. is an author and, and he, and a friend uh, he of Tweety, and, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They've, there's a really cool um, video interview on YouTube. I think it's like an hour long between George Saunders and Jeff Tweedy. I have never read George Saunders. Um, He's been on my list for a while though and uh from whatever reviews I come across with his books he sounds fantastic. I'm guessing some of our listeners have have read a, some of his work, but he he wrote a little essay on all about this song and it was from the New York Times. I'm just going to read some quotes from it because I think he really deepens an appreciation for it. He starts off this essay. He says, how does a song work? What does it actually do? It doesn't instruct exactly or teach necessarily. A song, I'd say, causes the listener to assume a certain stance. Through some intersection of melody slash lyrics slash arrangement, it causes a shadow being within us to get a certain expression on its face and fall into a certain posture. And then he kind of goes into... Some of his favorite songs, there's essentially a moral-ethical focus. Says, it makes me feel more able to go out and live. And then he starts talking about Wilco's 12-minute opus, One Sunday Morning, which he says, induces in me, reliably, a suite of feelings I might describe as patient, quiet mindfulness, plus firm resolve to love better. And serves as an antidote to the harshness of the moment. A reminder that with enough patience and fellow feeling, things can sometimes prove workable between people, even if they disagree. And he says, how does the song accomplish this? What Was that the intention? I'm not sure. Like much of Wilco's work, it's fundamentally a damn good popular song. And he talks about how it's, it's simple, you know, it is very repetitive. This song does not reinvent the wheel necessarily. And like you mentioned earlier, he, he says that this was recorded in one take, uh, learning it from the songwriter, Jeff Tweedy, as the tape rolled. But then he kind of goes into like interpreting it. Like what did, he says, quote, what does this song mean? Well, a great song means beyond simple sense. It means by how it sounds. The lyrics already beautiful, and he says Jeff Tweedy is one of the great conversational poets of our time. Here, here, and they're made additionally beautiful by the way Tweedy sings them. His voice is that of a good friend, singing the story of some strange trip from which he's just returned, self-effacing, dear, a wry voice rich with love for the world. Hey, can you do me a favor and just read the whole article at this point? Is that? Okay. (laughs) Okay. But he but he goes in and he says, "Really, what it's about is the way it sounds," Um, and and then he says, "And the way it keeps joyfully overflowing the formal banks, it keeps spontaneously making for itself." I love this quote. He compares it to a sort of oral medicine, and I feel the same way. That musically, it's it's just so soothing. You know, it does feel comforting in a way, despite it kind of dealing with relational tension, religious, uh-huh. you know, existential doubt and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: I, I wrote in my notes that um, this song kind of fills me with a sense of closure. Like it, it's like a gentle, mm. confident, calming feeling. And it kind of feels like mm. one chapter is closing
1: and another chapter is about to begin. O- a new door is opening. I love that. I remember when this, when this album came out, um, I remember so many reviews were shouting out Art of Almost and One Sunday Morning, which are the opening and closing track, you know, the bookends for this album. And I, I do think that they are the most remarkable songs. Art of Almost for its its wildness. And, and then this song, the complete opposite. It's long. Couldn't
0: it be more different from each other. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to go back to like interpreting this song... Um, yeah. You know, I kind of, like I said, kind of get like, the, it's like a calming, gentle feeling. But then you, you look at the the lyrics, and I feel like they're definitely more melancholy. I mean, the music mm. is melancholy, but then the lyrics are even more sad, I would say, about a father and son relationship that's been fraught with tension and disagreement. Yeah. Tweety sings, my father said what I had become, no one should be. And like, ooh, wow. can you imagine like hearing that from a from your dad or from... Any parental figure just kind of cutting you down. And then, as you said before, like this tension with a disagreement and and faith. It's your God I don't believe in. No, your Bible can't be true. Knocked down by the long lie. He cried, I fear what waits for you. And then later Mm -hmm. in the song, his father passes away. And Tweety uses the imagery of frozen underground, which is pretty bleak and but then the narrator finds himself missing his father. He 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 sings, "Bless my mind, I miss being told how to live. What I learned without mm-hmm. knowing, how much more I owe than I can give." It's kind of this idea that you know you still. It's kind of harkens back to our episode on death, but you you you're still connected, no matter what, to those that you lose, uh, even despite how much you may have disagreed in your lifetime together. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that in mind, this song to me kind of becomes about the importance of reconciliation. Mm. The Narrator's walking around with, with a burden that he falls in love with the lyrics being, I, I, I fell in love with a burden holding me down. But then in the next verse, he realizes how maybe how silly that is and how much he misses being told how to live. Um, how much he misses that interaction with his father, even though they had that lifetime of disagreement.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess here you have another example of the music giving me one emotion. And then when you look at the lyrics, you kind of feel another way, but both are, both are kind of forms of melancholy, I suppose. But I think the lyrics are sadder than the music.
1: Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. You point that out because it, it doesn't, it is not clear how you're supposed to feel maybe that maybe that's true of a lot of Wilco songs it's almost like the melodies the tunes of Wilco songs it's almost like the body language of a person communicates mm. one thing yeah but then the words are something different and uh i guess with body language in a person i would often assume that that is what is most like most strongly felt by a person and the words maybe i'm a little bit more questioning but th- that probably breaks down here but We've talked at length about how Summer Teeth is an album, dark lyrics, yeah. sunny music, yeah. and and you're a little bit disoriented. Like, what am I supposed to do here? And uh, I think that is a really fascinating aspect of, of Wilco as a band, that they do that so often.
0: You know, it's funny on that note, you know, thinking back to our very first episode now, kind of coming to a close of season one, I think I for my Desert Island disc... I picked Summer Teeth because of the sunny pop kind of vibe you get on that album. And then hearing you say, you know, those lyrics are a lot darker than the music sounds. That was kind of like, obviously, I was going to get into the lyrics as we did this podcast. So that was kind of like, in my mind, the beginning of starting to dig into Wilco more seriously. Yeah. And really kind of. Russell with these lyrics and and what the
1: band is trying to communicate through music and song and lyric. Yeah. A couple of things you, you started a quote from Montreal Gazette that Jeff Tweedy did an interview with uh, when he, when he was talking about his connection with Jane Smiley's boyfriend. Yeah. Um, And uh, the interviewer asked him, you know, it sounds like this could have gone on for like another 20 minutes without running out of steam. Um, And they they said, how do you know when a song is finished? And I'm going to I'm going to kind of jump in the middle of a quote here. Jeff Tweedy says, I don't know why we played the song so long to begin with. I had to write a bunch more lyrics to make it work. It just felt very hypnotic and beautiful. And the longer we played it, the more it felt like some spell was being cast. And that's one of those moments you live for as a musician, to have everything disappear and be rooted in that moment. I just feel like I got to participate in something beautiful. And there it is. That's well said. Like the music does kind of catch you up. The lyrics are awesome, but I want to say the music is the, is the best part of the song. I, I I totally agree. I think
0: it's 12 minutes long or 14, if you're listening to the vinyl, but you're going to want to listen to the whole song. You know, there's yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very tough Uh, balance to hold a a listener's attention that long and 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 also like
1: it doesn't really change that much yeah yeah so that that quote about it being hypnotic i totally get that daniel cook johnson himself he he said this rendition makes a great case for how wilco can pull off the dylan trick of making such a long quiet song get more compelling as it goes on Mm. NPR said, it's it's as if the band got addicted to the melody and riff and just didn't want it to end. <laughs> um, I got to say, Morgan, I, I perused Reddit. People love this song. Many people, they're asked to give a rating out of 10 where it ranks. And many people, 10 out of 10, Masterpiece, Magnum Opus, similar terminology. They just loved it. Um, I got to say... I remember seeing the band several times in 2011. They opened shows with this song when the whole love came out. But here's the here's the cool thing. That's that's really cool to see a band, you know, like open with such a like chill, long song. But then what they would do, and I wish they would do this again because it was incredible. They would open with one Sunday morning. It's acoustic all the way through. Then it would immediately segue into Poor Places from Yankee, which if you're, if you remember that song, it also starts off acoustic, very similar vibe. That song ends in like chaos and noise, especially live. They would go immediately from that to Art of Almost, and they played those three songs in in several sets from 2011. Oh my gosh! In fact, I have a live recording. Th- those three sync together. What an incredible segue! I-, I loved it. Oh my gosh!
0: Well, Lance, this is this is another example. I think you called this out on our road trips episode. Another example of a Wilco album ending on a quiet note. Yes, I think maybe one of their most perfect endings to an album. Solid. Yeah, that's fun. I'm glad we we were able to give
1: that a deeper dive. Yes, same
0: well why don't you kick us off uh with your second choice
1: this is gonna be the first time that we are doing a repeat visit of a song it had to happen at some point a lot of firsts tonight that's right that's right this song is one that you have shouted out before uh i'm gonna talk about on and on and on Mm. from sky blue sky one day we'll disappear together in a dream
2: love short or long our lives are going to be. I will live in you or you will live in me. Until we disappear together in a dream. Please don't cry.
1: death episode as previously mentioned. It was at one time. I think I said this in that episode, but at one time I thought this was my favorite Woko song. Um, it's it's still way up there for me. Um, I want to shout out Pat Sansone on the front end of this because he is the one playing the piano on this song. And I, I often think when there's piano, I'm like, oh, that's that's Michael Jorgensen. No, he's playing Hammond organ, which is really cool. Pat Sansone is playing the piano. We we do not give that man enough credit on this show. So here it is. Pat Sansone kills it on this song. You were gonna say something, Morgan. Well well, the reason I we had I had chosen it for the death episode is because uh, this
0: is a a song for his dad. Tweety wrote for his dad after his
1: mother passed away. Yep. yep. Um, but I, I won't steal your Thunderlance. Well, it's it's I, I dug into learning a little bit more about that. And, and the reason that I was really curious about that is that Tim Grierson, in his book, Sunken Treasure, um, he said this song is often mistakenly attributed to Jeff Tweedy writing this song for his dad in the wake of his mother's death. Jeff Tweedy talks about this song. In fact, in his memoir, he has a chapter called On and On and On. And he talks about how this song is for his dad. Here's the thing, though, Morgan. This song was being played live per WilcoWorld.net, their, their own website. This song was being played about a year before she died.
0: Hmm. So we got some conflicting notes here.
1: We do. And and I and I uh, yeah, I I, I think. Sky Blue Sky is an album, you know, where where it's that fresh breath of air after rehab. The band is established again. I'm going to quote Tweedy from his memoir. This is also the album I was making when my mom died. Everything had been feeling so exciting and perfect. And then I got a call from my dad at 3 a.m. saying, she's gone, boy. So sudden, so unexpected. One of my initial reactions was so selfish, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I felt cheated. Why wasn't I being allowed to enjoy this wonderful period in my life where my band and my mind finally seemed to be working? I felt sorry for myself. Can I just get through one record without a tragedy? I felt pathetic. And so he says he finished writing this song in that state of mind. And he says, quote, in particular, this song, Written for my dad in an effort to console him with some thoughts. I wasn't entirely sure I believed, but found comforting nonetheless. Do we find each other in some realm to spend eternity as promised in love? My dad thought so. End quote. So, you know what? Factually, it seems like this song came out before his mom died, but I think it's still dealing with that theme. So maybe it was... Maybe it was in the knowledge of mom is going to be dying, mom is, is sick. But I, I thought this was an interesting connection to the, the song that we started with, One Sunday Morning, because it's, it's a song where Jeff Tweedy is writing it for his dad. Now, this is kind of interesting. I looked up his mom's obituary to confirm her death. She died in September 2006, and she was a member of a Church of Christ, so I, I kind of wonder, like, hmm, I wonder if she was religious, if it stands to reason that Jeff's dad was religious. And so, I don't know, learning about this song kind of reframes One Sunday Morning for me. And that it's it's perhaps stands to reason that could be autobiographical. Well, like at least that Jeff and his dad would disagree on religion. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm making some assumptions there. Jeff believes in the idea of a creator, but other than that, he—I think—he becomes a little bit uncomfortable speculating beyond that. Um, so I want to be careful not to speak for him or his dad. But it's interesting to think about this song and the in the idea of how you would view death, how you would imagine afterlife, how you would imagine a potential reunion with a with a a dead loved one. I think about Jeff, let's just assume his dad was religious. The lyrics in this song, in in the in the beautiful build up, he says, please don't cry. This world of words and meanings makes you feel outside. Something that you already feel deep inside, you've denied. Go ahead and cry. I really like that. I really like the way it starts with please don't cry and then ends with go ahead and cry. And I, I think that speaks to our experience with grief. You know, sometimes it's like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't cry. It's okay. We have that discomfort of seeing someone grieve or cry. I think if we allow ourselves to connect with, I don't know, mental health and, and emotion, we can say, no, go ahead and cry. That's, that's, that's appropriate feel that emotion spoken like a true therapist lance yeah yeah because well i was i was reading the lyrics and i'm like "Ooh, please don't cry i don't know how i feel about that but then to see how it ends up and go ahead and cry it kind of validates the please don't cry because we do we do feel those tensions i think when we're around someone grieving right it's like the stages of grief yeah it is both of these songs if and when we do a an episode focused on religion. I, I kind of want to come back to him because I think there's a lot to extrapolate, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that both of these songs on my end, they deal with death and a father son relationship. What an uplifting way to end season one. You got to take us home, (laughs)
0: man. No, I, I love that song. And, um, yeah, good to hear your continued thoughts on that one. Um, I, I just want to add real quick that in Let's Go So We Can Get Back, tweety notes that his uh his father requested that his grave marker read on and on and on. So I don't yes. I don't know if that actually happened or not, but that's um, kind of
1: oddly sweet. It is. It is. I've always listened to this song in the headspace of Jeff Tweedy as someone that's like, I don't know about the afterlife. And then this is the first time that I've heard it in the context of if this is a gift that Jeff is giving to his dad, who potentially is religious. I I think it works in that way too. That idea of some people believe in eternity on and on and on. And um, it's a comforting love song. Also the idea that those left behind still
0: live with the impact of that person after they're gone. And then that transfers to the next generation and on and on and on in that way as well. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to lighten things up a little bit, Lance. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who took us to such a dark place on a finale episode?
0: Uh, So it would not be uh, a finale episode or really an episode of welcome to the podcast without me choosing a song from ghost is born. Oh wow! <laughs> I don't know how I didn't see this coming. I mean, this is a great song. Ah, uh, uh, one of my favorite songs. I think I, I say that about most songs I pick. Um, cool. Great. That song is, of course, the late greats. Let's give it a listen. The greatest lost track of all time. The late
2: greats, time. You can't hear it anywhere you go. This fan.
1: This song is... Amazing choice. The, yeah, this song caps off
0: one of the most experimental Wilco albums with a, just a straightforward, accessible rock song. Daniel Cook Johnson calls it birds-esque. And I, I just love... I, you know, I don't have a ton of notes on this song, I, other than um, just that I love the sentiment that this song is arguing for. Um, Tweedy is basically saying that the greatest bands and songs of all time will never get played... The lyrics, the best songs never get sung. The best life never leaves your lung. Tweedy has said about this song that uh, you know things don't have to be polished and marketed and sold. That stuff can just be inside you. And so I just love that you know that that your art or whatever you create it can have inherent value just because you created it. It's it's it exists. And you can choose to either hold on to it or you can choose to share it. And the value doesn't really change. Um, he's kind of arguing for just the value of creation. And I think that's just a really hopeful idea. Yes. And so I guess to kind of bring it full circle here, we are creating this thing, this this podcast. And uh, I'm glad that we have this uh, this creation together, no matter if we have 10 listeners or 10,000. So, um, you know, I, I I guess I'm just saying it's, it's been worth it, man. It's been fun. Just fun to create something together.
1: Oh man. Right back at you. I got to say, this song holds a special place in my heart because I, 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 referenced this on the very first episode, but My introduction to Wilco was, I got a, uh, for my birthday, I got a CD copy from my friend Ben Singleton, Kicking Television. Uh, Wilco's, it's their their only live album uh, from 2005. And the opening tracks, I'm going to say the first four opening tracks are Misunderstood, Company in My Back, track three is The Late Greats, and then track four is Hell is Chrome. It's a two-hour album. And I remember it It took me a little while to get into Woco. And I would put this album on and I would get about to track four and I'd be like, oh, okay, I want to go hear something else. Which, <laughs> thinking about that now, I'm like, that's crazy. I got tired of Woco in four tracks. But those first four tracks, I don't know, the rest of the album kind of ran together for me. But the first four were, were just beautiful and 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 captivating and the leg race was that kind of it was the fun track i'd say from that first four yeah. tracks and uh so i i'm gonna say this is this is an early track it was a gateway drug for me to really get addicted to wilco and i haven't thought about that in a while so i i am glad you uh brought that up yeah yeah uh, I love this song. I love when Wilco...
0: I mean, I love experimental Wilco. I also love when Wilco is, uh, just gives us a straightforward rock song. They're usually earworms
1: and they usually just hit, you know? Morgan, so, so the third verse says, the greatest singer in rock and roll would have to be a Romeo. His vocal cords are made of gold. He just looks a little too old. And I, I've always wondered... That verse, along with it, the closing verse, the best songs will never get sung. Last line of the song says, "You'll never hear it on the radio." You can't hear it on the radio. I I always wonder, like, how much of a commentary or shout out to Wilco this is. Do do you get that impression at all? Uh,
0: I haven't honestly haven't thought of that. Haven't thought of it that way. But I I could see that they've uh, argued that they've never really had a hit.
1: Right. You and I just got to hear this song. Live. What did you think of it at the Chicago Riviera?
0: It was amazing. It was amazing that that show made me. I think I said it on on that episode. A uh, fully bought in on the Wilco hype. Woo! And, and you know, probably because they played so much from Ghost is Born, and they didn't really play a ton of it at Solid Sound. You know, maybe in season two, I'll I'll finally migrate away from. A ghost is born.
1: I am, after all, like almost out of tracks to pick. <laughs> what, have there been any tracks that you have not yet covered? We did not do theologians. Oh wow! So okay. we'll, we'll see. Like see that one. I, I, I shouted out the religion episode earlier. So there's room for it. There. We'll be yeah. back. You know, I I've said this to you. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but there has been a sad lack of talk about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and that is my. Favorite album of all time. So season two, we're, we're coming for you, Yankee. Um, I don't know why we haven't talked about that one. Well, maybe because it's the most well-known Wilco album.
0: And maybe subconsciously, I was trying to shed light on other eras of the band. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And by, by eras, I mean 2004. <laughs> hey, when did you get into Wilco, by the way? You know, I was at Target <laughs> uh, perusing the CD section. I, I have I'm one thing I'm passionate about with this show is I have no interest in revisiting the whole record label dropping with Yankee. I have heard that story <laughs> too many times, and this is going to be one space where we do not go over that damn story again. Okay.
0: Hey man, watch, watch your tongue. Watch your tongue.
1: This is, this is a family podcast. Okay. Well, uh. Morgan, I think, uh, I think, that is a wrap on not only this episode but season one of Wilco the podcast.
0: Lance, this has been a joy. We've stuck through it. I've done episodes from hotel rooms across the country. We've done some in person. Um, yeah, talked to some great guests. Looking forward to to doing this again in the fall and a few times over the summer. But folks, until then, that is an official wrap on Wilco the Podcast Season 1. But we are very much just getting started, and we will keep you updated on all the social media channels. Or I should say Lance will, since he is, <laughs> he is the driver of that communication. <laughs>
1: You're doing great, Lance. You're doing great. Hey, hey, folks! Come, come, say hi. Uh, you know, we love interacting with you, and uh, it, yeah, if you want to leave us a comment on Instagram or Wilka <laughs> hit, hit us Instagram up, uh, Twitter, on Instagram or Twitter at Wilco. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at Wilco the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a delight. I hope I hope you've had fun. Thank you so much for your time for listening. We will be back.